Hoosier United Methodist Podcast, episode number 31, with Reverend Dr. Bob Walters, author of The Last Missionary. The church grew, and, and this was this was a decision that the bishop made when the missionaries evacuated. Hi, I am David B.W. Owen. Retired United Methodist clergy and currently chair of the African University campaign. I've been talking with Brad Miller, Dr. Brad Miller, my good friend and the director of the Hoosier United Methodist podcast. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the Hoosier United Methodist podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. Brad believes that a strong connection in the United Methodist Church is essential to achieving the mission of making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. The Hoosier United Methodist Podcast will help you and your church connect with key insights, hear inspiring stories, and learn from successful pastors and people making a difference in United Methodist Churches in Indiana. And now, here's Brad. Well, hello, good people, and welcome to the Hoosier United Methodist Podcast. This is episode 31. I am Brad Miller, your uh, your host for this podcast, where it is our purpose, our mission, to strengthen the connection in the United Methodist Church in the state of Indiana for the purpose of making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And we do that by talking to some of the pastors and leaders and missionaries and people and um, and. Uh, mission stations that we have in the church and uh, talk about some of the issues that we face in the United Methodist Church, particularly here in Indiana. And we look for good news stories and look for ways we can strengthen that connection. We're doing that today by having a conversation with Reverend Dr. Bob Walters. He's written a book about his experiences in his dual role as a pastor and a leader in the state of Indiana, Indiana Conference, and also in the as a leader and a pastor and a missionary in the North Katanga Annual Conference, which is in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, right in the middle, in the heart of Africa. And he experienced all kinds of things in, in Africa. Uh, in his experiences there, his uh, life was on the line, and he was in warlike situations, a civil war. Uh, and he had a, a, just some fascinating stories to tell about his experiences there. But also he has some important takes on the state of missions in the United Methodist Church and an understanding of how we in Indiana can relate to missions. Pick up that he doesn't, he doesn't want to see things as a mission field. Look for that in our conversation. And also look for uh, how he uh, got to the people. He got to the people in a very unique way. And uh, he did that both in Indiana and in the, in the Congo. I'll give you a hint. He was on two wheels. We're here at the Hoosier United Methodist Podcast. We're all about telling good news stories. And you can always connect up with us at our website, HoosierUnitedMethodist.com, and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoosier United Methodist. Our guest today, Reverend Dr. Bob Walters, author of The Last Missionary. Let's get into our conversation right now. Welcome to the podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. And today we have with us a man who's sometimes known as a Biking Bob it is Dr. Reverend Dr. Bob Walters, who is the author of The Last Missionary. Uh, Bob is a former Marine Corps helicopter pilot turned United Methodist pastor. And among other things, he's been journeying through the Democratic Republic of the Congo 
in speaking and what he calls deep listening tours since 1991. He serves as the Director of Connectional Ministries for the North Katanga Episcopal Area and is the founder of Friendly Planet Missiology. And uh, he has been also has a relationship, uh, an ongoing relationship with the Indiana Conference of the, of the United Methodist Church. And you, you can find uh, Bob at his uh, website, Friendly Planet Missiology, or more about his book, thelastmissionary.com. You can also find his book at Oh, Amazon and the other outlets, and you can email Bob at uh, bob at friendlyplanetmissiology.org. Our guest today, Bob Walters. Bob, welcome to the podcast today. Thanks, Brad. Hey, it's great to have you with my friend. Our relationship goes back quite a ways, and I've known you to be involved with uh, missions in all sorts of ways, but particularly in um, in. Africa continent, the Central African continent, particularly Democratic Republic of Congo. Well, we'll get into this to uh, that in just a second here, as well as your your new book, which I found to be really a fascinating read, a kind of a uh, travelogue, if you will, of your experiences. But tell us a little bit about you in the terms of how you came into a, a relationship with Christ in the first place and your journey that led you into the mission field. Just give us a synopsis of that. I know it's a long story, but give me the short version, man. <laughs> oh, yeah, I tried to give you the notes. Uh, all right. The, there you... uh, the, um, uh, first of all, a little correction on the bio. Okay. Uh, more of an update, not a correction. But uh, in June, I retired uh, from the Indiana Conference and at the same time uh, retired from the North Katanga Conference and my responsibilities there. Uh, so just so. put a put an R after my name on, on so you the, have the joys of, of joys of a retired status my goodness. So, uh, so those relationships are now uh, formally informal yes I got you um, on on the coming to Christ uh, I grew up in a uh, in a rural um, Baptist church small membership uh, and I cannot remember a time uh, when I didn't know Jesus. Uh, now, there, there certainly were life stage uh, events, spiritual events through that, uh, uh, but, uh, but pretty much I grew up in the church, uh, one, of those, uh, one of those church families. Uh, we were not a clergy family, but one of those church families that uh, uh, when the doors were open, we were there. So the pillars was, of the church sometimes, it was, right? It, well, we were back pro, but... but yeah. uh, um, Sunday morning, Sunday school, worship, Sunday evening, Wednesday Bible study, uh, and any time there was a work day, uh, yeah, we were there. So uh, that's where I grew up, and and as I said, I don't I don't remember a time not knowing Jesus, and and memories go back to um, before I was six because uh, I was baptized at six in a believer's baptism. Uh, tradition. Okay. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that goes a long ways back. Now, uh, into a, adulthood, um, I think I, I I would have to say that my knowing uh, knowing Jesus, um, I've got I've got to credit um, uh, the um, the historical Jesus movement uh, as far back as. Albert Schweitzer, and then currently with uh, 
the work of John Dominic Croson and 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 especially Marcus Borg. I, I had um, the privilege of having dinner with him once and, and oh, found wow. out that uh, he and I pretty much had to, had the shared experience of growing in a, growing up in a in a in a similar church, uh, similar type of church, similar size of church, similar culture, and and uh, I really uh, uh, clicked with him uh, on that. So a great deal of influence from uh, the um, or at least affirmation uh, from. Uh, from that movement, and then um, a lot of practical theology and uh, even process theology. Uh, so it's been it's been a long ride, and uh, uh, very how, Kierkegaardian in that. Uh, there you go. Well, a lot, yeah. lot of touch points there. And how did all of that uh, kind of the internal theological process lead you into uh, ministry, and then eventually into the mission field? Well, uh, uh, as you read the book, you'll discover that I'm not a real fan of the term mission field, um, um, but you'll enjoy that as you, as you, as you discover that. Um, I traveled a lot as a youth, globally. Uh, my dad was, uh, was in construction and had jobs all over the world, and, and sometimes uh, as a family, we went with him, and especially uh, in in jobs in South America. So, have some. Um, uh, those were those were formative years in 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 my childhood. So, I've always been uh, kind of kind of global, and um, when you add up my dad's travels. Uh, with mine in the Navy and the Marine Corps, uh, and then as a missionary with our daughter's travels now, married to a foreign service officer, uh, we probably have uh, been just about everywhere in the, uh, on the planet. So we, we, we travel a lot. But, but it's more than that. Um, Bishop Woody White once accused me of being restless. And he didn't use that as a compliment. Okay. <laughs> he was he was complaining about my inability to to stay uh, long enough in an appointment. I got you. And yeah. Uh, and yeah, I am restless, and it's and it's not it, it it's not simply restless to not be in Indiana but be in Africa. Uh, it even it, it it even goes there. Um, I prefer not to be in in Kamina, where the conference uh, headquarters is in, in, in North Katanga, because there's just too much going on there. Uh, all the NGOs are there. All the mission teams go there. I want to be out in the bush somewhere, out in, in more remote districts. Um, and, and that's why the bicycle. Yeah, of course. Uh, we, we get out there um, where, where other people aren't. Well, I want to get into the bicycle part of your life in uh, detail in a minute, but uh, in terms of your book, you, you, the title of your book is The Last Missionary, and I, I read a bit of the story about that, but unpack that, unpack that story for us about how the phrase or how you were termed the last missionary. Well, um, 
like any good book title, it's supposed <laughs> to have multiple multiple layers, mm -hmm. and and it and it does. The uh, the straight up uncomplicated meaning is that I'm working in uh, in a time and place uh, where I can observe the transition from a missionary led uh, mission church uh, to a, a locally led uh, full partner in the United Methodist Connection. And I've, I've watched that over over 20 years, 25 years and uh, and, and so kind of kind of have that fly on the wall look at that. So I'm in the book, I'm returning to an area where I once was the missionary. Um, missionaries are all gone now. And uh, I'm in my mind, I'm not returning as a missionary, but uh, for some of the community, I'm looked at as as a returning missionary. So, well, in fact, you did uh, actually does have you did have a, a short career, as it were, as a uh, quote missionary. It yeah. didn't last too long, did it? Uh, no, not not the not the formal contract part. Right now, I you know I started uh, I, I started in 1991 with with travels uh, uh, to what was then then Zaire. Um, had a couple of trips where I preached. Uh, annual conferences did did five annual conferences in two years and then um, uh, Bishop Ntombo, uh asked GBGM to invite me to come as a missionary to uh, direct the seminary in Likasi uh, uh, to do pastor training and so I did that uh, but that only lasted a few months. The contract was only 18 months and didn't even finish that because the war uh, heated up and uh, all of the United Methodist uh, missionaries were evacuated, and, uh, including myself. Well, tell a little bit more about um, then how, why Democratic Republic of Congo, what got you connected there? You mentioned about your initial travels there, yeah. but obviously you developed an ongoing and just integrated relationship over a long period of time. Tell us about what uh, draws you there, what keeps you there, what keeps you coming back, and your the integrated nature of your relationship with uh, Democratic sure. Republic of Congo and the conferences there. Yeah. Um now, Africa in general, and this isn't why I went to Africa, but I wanted to slip this in on behalf of my mother. Uh, my mother's first cousin uh, was, a, was a Methodist missionary in Omutari, where Africa University is now located okay. for, well, for, for a lifetime, 37 years. Uh, so we, we have that in our, in, our, in our family. That's not why I ended up there, but... It's a little uh, family DNA in your blood, it's, right? It, it's a family story. Yeah. Uh, but the, uh, the, the DRC, um, I went on uh, a conference boondoggle in, in 91, um, made some friends, especially in Tambo and Kulu. Um, uh, he invited me back for some preaching, it did that. Uh, our family hosted... His daughter, uh, through uh, uh, finishing up high school here and then 
uh, at the University of Indianapolis. Um, and at the same time, not at the same time, at a different time, uh, in 2005, uh, when our daughter Taylor graduated from American University uh, with a master's in international development, um, Bishop and Tombo hosted her in Kamina uh, to help develop the, uh, the community development department there in, in, in the conference. So we have over the years exchanged uh, daughters, shared family uh, life together. Uh, so it's been a very close friendship and a, uh, and a good working uh, uh, relationship over, over the years. So most of it has been personal. And we're into the second and almost third generation of, of, of friends. So it, it's, been, it's been quite intimate. Well, that, that's cool. That's neat. Uh, just uh, tell me a little bit about your experiences with the church in, uh, in Democratic Republic of Congo. Kind of compare and contrast with me a little bit about our, uh, our churches here in uh, Indiana, North America, and what are some things that are uh, similar? What are some things that are different? What, what are we learning? Yeah. Um, well, this is what, uh, this was what was exciting about these, um, these deep listening sessions on, on bicycles over, over, um, three, four, uh, years. Um, I got to see, um, you know, first I arrive and there's a, there's a big greeting, big welcome and, and, uh, 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 a lot of to do over over my being there. After a while, though, um, I, I disappear in into the wallpaper. Uh, well, nobody has wallpaper there, but I I, I, I kind of disappear in the community and and can can begin to observe. It's um, uh, there's certainly a lot of things that anybody who goes to uh, visit uh, the Congo. Um, is going to see about the vitality of the church, uh, uh, the, um, uh, the, the uh, excitement in worship. Uh, there, you know, there, there, there are a number of things that an American would, would see in a Congo and say, wow, wish I had that here in our church. Now, I got the, the privilege of working long enough with the church there to see not only uh, the the great gifts and I and I do want to I, I I guess I do want to make this point and the book makes this point um, there are great needs in the in the Congo um, people have been devastated by this war uh, and the poverty of this war as well as the poverty that existed before the war and 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 still after the war it's a tough place to make a life for your family. Um, the needs are overwhelming, mm -hmm. and if and if it were if it were simply my responding to the to the needs, I couldn't do it. Um, Just what, overwhelming too much. What keeps me what keeps me excited is is the leadership that is there, and one of the points that that I make in the book is the leadership is there, and unfortunately often overlooked and and passed over. In, in efforts to, um, uh, to save Africa. So um, my commitment is to 
particularly pastors, district superintendents, uh, local community leaders, um, to help help them do their jobs, help them be successful in their jobs. So that's a lot of what I I do. But as I said, I I sit in the communities long enough and uh, to see that. Uh, well, I've walked in on a Sunday morning to a church uh, where uh, there were only eight people there for that showed up for worship, and five of them were related to the pastor. <laughs> okay. okay, so so it there's a full range. Well, there's actually a few churches in in Indiana that are like that too, you know. So, <laughs> oh, absolutely, and, and 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 so part of it, part of what I want to say is there there we don't want to over romanticize. Uh, the the church in the Congo either there there is a full range of of, of talent and personality and and uh, uh, success and failure and, and so I'm I'm reluctant to to say well in the Congo they do this uh, as opposed to how they do it in in Indiana and and that's so much better but but there but there are some things that I think um, we could learn. Uh, and and most of them are already in our in our Wesleyan DNA. Yeah, uh, we've just forgotten how to do them. Well, we're reclaiming some of uh, some of our original uh, focus as a church, uh, including being missional. One of the one of the things you say in your book, uh, Bob, which I find it kind of really cool. It's kind of a part travelogue or reports from the front line, if you will, and. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, you give us these snippets of teaching or, or these uh, moments of uh, enlightenment that can be useful in the local church. And one of the purposes of this podcast is to help our churches and leaders to get connected with, uh, you know, resources and people that can help us understand better and mm -hmm. be mindful to us. But one of the things I uh, uh, picked up on is I found a quote in your book that I think speaks to what you're talking about here about community development. You say, I quote, the Congolese United Methodists knew the secrets of community development and of peace building. When everyone else panicked, and I, the, the times of war and other things, you've mentioned great needs there, but when everyone else panicked, they maintained a steady course. When all the others were crying for help, they were the incarnation of help. The United Methodist Church in Katanga grew dramatically in numbers and in reputation, becoming the church. Uh, tell me a little bit about that in terms of how you unpack it a little bit in terms of this whole community feel you're talking about here, this sense of community and how it was a, a force of peace and hope and helpfulness. And yeah. unpack that for me a little bit. Yeah, well, some of that is is how community operates in the Congo. But uh, what I wanted to say in the book was this was exceptional. Uh, both the leadership uh uh, of Bishop Ntombo, um, uh, and this is this is just a terrific story that um, needs telling. Uh, but uh, the church grew, and, and this was this was a decision that the bishop made when the missionaries evacuated. Uh, and when the missionaries evacuated, I you know I know. Um, that while there were church leaders in place, uh, the leadership of the church was still 
missionary dominated. Um, and some serious question about how, how they would make it if the missionaries left. So the missionaries left, um, it, it was not, uh, not a happy time at all, but kind of one of those times where uh, uh, a, 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 a backward sort of gift, okay. if I'm saying that right. Uh, you, you're never things you're went never, south, but you didn't have to go south with it, and people had to learn from their experiences and you, you, suck it up never, or be, yeah. go down. Yeah, okay. You never think that that the community is ready uh, to survive without you, <laughs> and this is true of pastors and right, point, right, right. And, and there comes a day when you've got to leave, and people have to step up. And the bishop stepped up, and he asked the church to step up, and it was costly. Uh, it was costly in lives. Uh, I I did have uh, later on the uh, the the honor of preaching memorial services at, at conference, and it's wow. it's one thing to memorialize colleagues who have died uh, this last year that you've served with, uh, and I I I don't want to. Uh, say that isn't a big deal. It is a big deal. Sure. But it but it kind of raises to another level when they have died because they were sent into harm's way, and they were they were sent into into the war zone to be not combatants but be the pastor. Right. And well, you're talking about the highest stakes, aren't we? The highest stakes. Yeah. Sure, and and this is what I want to say about church growth. Uh, the church grew there not because there was uh, an evangelical crusade. Uh, there's a word we could get rid of, crusade. Um, uh, yeah, and, okay. and not by any marketing plan, nothing, nothing slick or creative, uh, but through courage. Courage. Uh, wow. Staying when when everybody else was uh, was fleeing, uh, so um, that was um, well. I just found that remarkable, and, and absolutely, yeah. And you know, I, I I don't know I don't know what to tell uh, pastors and churches uh, in the U.S. or or well, Indiana. It's, just, it's hard in our. North American society to understand the courage, the the high stakes, the putting your mm -hmm. life in the line courage that you're talking about mm -hmm. here, and the reality that people have lost their lives in yeah. service to to the Lord through the church, and the, how that's the, made all the difference. Yeah, the the other thing that that's a uh, you know it's a little little more um, mechanical, um, but uh, the church there operates much more connectional hmm. uh, than than the church here and then there are things um, I'm, I'm writing about this in 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 a book now this the sequel to the last missionary but uh, in 2011 our friendly planet team um, we did 311. Or 310, 310 baptisms in 
in that three months hmm. as we wow. traveled through 10 districts. That's now, astonishing. Now, all of that was all of that was was set up by a a year's worth of intentional evangelism in in those districts. Um, we didn't just show up and baptize there. There was a lot of work and those baptisms weren't mass everybody down at the river and 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 done. These were all one at a time. Uh, book of worship, all the words hmm. uh, and uh, you know, so each each one of these was 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 a baptism, and and it was it, it was a full range uh, from uh, from newborns to uh, uh, a lot of babies, a lot of children, a lot of youth, wow. and even some adults. So uh, now, what I was getting at is the um, the sacraments there are a district level activity. Hmm. The traveling elder, and that's what we were. Okay. Uh, so we're kind of thinking like circuit rider type of thing in a ex way. Exactly like that. And okay. so the, the, the uh, I mean, we did it as a team, but the traveling elder arrives uh, with, with communion and, and the baptism is done. One of the things that, that was so neat about there and this is a little detail, but um, uh, pastors have a little coupon book. <laughs> a coupon book for baptisms? Yes, <laughs> yes. Well, for it, for every for everything pastoral. Okay. You know, there are little boxes on it. You can check off what this what what you did. But when you right. visit, you you leave a little coupon in 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 the house uh, for for uh, what you know, what that visit was about. And you'll see these coupons taped on, on living room walls where, wherever you go. So, so if the DS wants to keep tab tab of, you can check on the coupon accumulation. Well, right? uh, actually truth is we ran out of those coupons early on. So, uh, but, you know, uh, but I thought that was, that was yeah, such a great funny. idea. And maybe we should, uh, you know, enact a coupon method here in Indiana. Who knows? <laughs> But the idea of, 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 and I don't know what's the right thing to do here, uh, here in Indiana, but um, the, the idea of the, of the, of traveling to visit uh, seems to be so Wesleyan. And, yeah, well, let's uh, talk about traveling to visit for a minute, because we'd be, I'd be remiss in knowing you uh, pretty well if we didn't talk about the way you travel to visit, whether it's here in Indiana, but particularly there in uh, in Congo, tell us about the importance of bicycle and bicycling in terms of what you do and what you're about, and uh, just touch on that a little bit about bicycling. Yeah, well, the uh, the bicycles were Bishop Intambo's idea. It was before he was bishop, so Pastor Intambo's idea. When I was first coming. In 1995, uh, to preach a couple annual conferences, and he said, "When you come, bring 200 bicycles." Okay. Yeah. So, I I, rem I remember that project well. My church yeah, helped to get yeah. you a few bicycles. Well, yeah. you know that was. Uh, um, we we thought a lot about that, and discussed it, and and finally decided that we would purchase the bicycles there in Lubumbashi. 
um, for a number of reasons. Uh, one, to so that uh, those bicycles were standardized and and would have uh, repair parts in in available in secondary markets, and they would be bicycles that ever that all the pastors were familiar with and could work on, uh, and. Um, buy local and stay local buy in terms local, of and uh, stimulate uh, the, the, the the local economy right. so so that's what we did um, one of the um, and this is in the book I think if it's not in the book it's in the it, it's in the third book okay. there is a trilogy here. all right we'll, 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 we'll be looking I, forward to it <laughs> um, when when we d distributed the bicycles in uh, one of the conferences, um, let me see if I can say this well, because everybody in this story is a good guy and everybody spoke the truth. Okay. Uh, but one of the missionaries said to me, this is a nice thing that you have done for them. Hmm. Okay. All right. That was true, and I appreciate his thanking me for for it. Uh, and Tombo said, "This is the best thing we have done in thirty years." Wow. Okay. Now, the, so the, help us help unpack that. The missionary okay. said this is a nice thing to do. The uh, it's, it's the, the, the bishop or the pastor that said it's the best thing. What and, made it the best thing? And and the the shift is. The, the the way everybody thinks about the project. Um, getting away from charity, and, and, and it's not just white people who think this way. Right. Uh, Congolese think this way too. Uh, wanting, thinking in terms of the gift. And what what Ntambo was trying to get people to do, starting with himself, uh, this was his project. Okay. My part of it was was raising the twenty five thousand dollars. Yeah. And quite frankly, that was the easiest money I've ever raised. Okay. So my part was easy. So so to to give me credit for it, I you know it. He's the one who, who did um, all the work. I get that. But in terms of a practical application, then, those bicycles went to pastors and people so then, they could make those calls and that con direct connection you were talking about. And in your particular place, I know that you've done a lot of traveling by bicycle through Congo and here in yeah. Indiana and other places. Yeah. And it seems like that's been an important factor in being intimate in your relationships with yeah. people. And yeah. also going to those places where not everybody else goes, right? Yeah, to finish to finish on that, yes, the bicycle distribution. I still have people who talk about that particular year, even though the distributions have continued over the years. Uh, but that changed the conference, and in in a sense, in a very Wesleyan way, put it on horseback and got it moving. Uh, so it it mobilized all of those all of those pastors, and and the bicycle is an essential tool. Uh, for their work, but going on to what you're you're referring to, I ride the bicycle uh, 
because it's a different feel when I enter a community than if we were to fly in or if we were even to drive in in a, in a Land Rover or a Land Cruiser. The bicycle is a different, it's a piece of equipment that not every pastor has, but every pastor could have. Okay. Uh, it, 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 it puts me at the same level of, of the pastor in that, in that community. It also slows me down uh, so that it, it, just, it just takes months to do these tours. And, and it takes that kind of time um, to, to do the deep, the deep listening. You can't just drop in, uh, do a survey or a workshop and, and, and hear what you, uh, what, you, what you need to hear. Yeah, cool. Uh, well, making a shift of our own here just for a second here, Bob, let's talk about our churches here in Indiana, here in, here, here in North America, and how we can become more mindful of this partnership, this brotherhood, this community development that you're talking about, both in our own communities and in relationship to uh, churches in Congo and other, uh, other outreach, other mission, uh, mission things that we're involved with. How can we in the church not be ethnocentric, not be, um, you know, see that we're doing something for one another, but be in partnership. What are some ways, some some methods or some tech uh, technology perhaps, or some strategies we in our local churches can use to be helpful, be in partnership in mission? Yeah. Um, excellent question. <laughs> and uh, by the time I get to the third book, I hope I've got a good answer. Well, good. But, that's what we're all looking for. The answer. That's why I'm asking you, buddy. The answer. Uh, the um, Some of the things that I talk about in the book, uh, the importance of, of listening and the listening. And this is tough for this is tough for Americans uh, not to uh, not to paint everybody with the same brush. But we we do have a problem of time. And, and this is, you know, when you, you go on a mission trip or something, you, you, you don't have a lot of time. So the idea of sitting for a month in a village just listening, uh, that, that's just not on our program. Right. Well, the uh, mission experience, if, if, if churches have mission experiences, most often it's, you know, dropping in for a, a day to maybe a week and you're, yeah. then you're out well, of there. And that's why it's, it's, it's really important, and this is what what it, what's good being a United Methodist, being in connection. Uh, why it's good to be hooked up with mission projects that have uh, that that have a history and a team uh, that that um, that's been sitting there and listening for for a long time. So. You, as, as a person who's going on that trip, uh, you may not be able to do all of that, uh, but it, it, it takes a village. There yeah, are other okay. people who are part of that project uh, who have to be doing um, that, that deep listening. So you're saying the connection is not only you know, connectional through the uh, interchange of resources and ideas and so on between uh, connecting points you know, here and the Congo, it is also the ongoing connection in linear fashion from one group of people to the next and heritage-wise and uh, legacy and so on. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I'll give a commercial for somebody who's a friend of, of, of both of ours. Uh, I'm a big fan of Tom Heaton and oh, his yeah. work in, in Guatemala, uh, Mission right. Guatemala. Uh, and if it were simply uh, one week church uh, mission teams going down there to, to do their thing, I, I'd be their strongest critic. Uh, but but Tom is the glue that holds all of that together, and and, and so for for Tom to be doing all of this that I'm talking about in the deep listening, and if we ever got to a point, and we've had a couple uh, teams in our area, it's it's not an easy thing to invite people to come uh, work in 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 the regions that we're working in because one, I can't guarantee that I can, I can get you in and out in a reasonable time. And, and the other is, uh, yeah, I can't guarantee your safety. So, uh, there's some there reasons is that, for, right. <laughs> there are some reasons that, that, that we don't have. Well, there's uh, also, we, uh, regular I'm mission needs, into, but maybe someday we will. I'm and, not going to go in deeper level, but we, I happen to know you well enough to know that your own life has been endangered on a number of occasions and you've had, you know, health issues with disease and so on that you've had to deal with. It is being out there, really out there in an area that is very uncomfortable, for a lot of people. Um, you, you know, I don't know. I'm just being who I am. Sure. Um, there, there, there are other things that, that I, I can't do uh, because I'm terrified of them. Uh, this is just something I enjoy doing. And, uh, but you're right. The, 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 but that's not the, for everybody. What you're saying is, everybody. you know, that, and just like what uh, Tom does in Guatemala, that's not for everybody either, but it is a good thing, in my mind at least, to at least expose people to the experience on our end. The, yeah. And I hope it is good on, on the other end as well. And, and I, you know, I, I hesitate to say this because I, I want everybody to be teachable. Uh, but my experience is um, there, there are plenty of people who go on mission trips that, and get it instantly because they they already had it and plenty who go on the same trip and, and don't get it because they never will. But uh, okay. I shouldn't have said that, but uh, that's not our, that's not our goal, but uh, that's who you, that's who you are. Some people are closed and some people are open. Uh, And so we're looking for some people who who are really open. Uh, Kind of, kind of go in that direction a little bit uh, in terms of, being open and being closed and what we're we're working on our whole united methodist church is uh dealing in many ways on what it means to be a closed society what it means to be open society and the dynamics of all kinds of stuff we're dealing with right now we but we have said our mission as a church is the making disciples of jesus christ for the transformation of the world mm-hmm. and i like to ask that a question about this to all my guests on on the uh, on the podcast because we do relate to the United Methodist Church how do you see us doing with that mission in and of itself and where are we going with that mission based on your experience here in the states and in Africa how are we doing with making disciples of Jesus Christ with the transformation of the world or does it have meaningful to us at all um The story I want to tell about the uh, the church in in particularly in North Katanga and the Tanyanika conference um, 
with with struggles and certainly uh, some places that need critiqued and helped and changed and and all of that. Um, it's still one of the real success stories of the United Methodist Church uh, that I think is uh, uh, under-celebrated, uh, maybe because we feel so much in, in the crisis of, uh, of change, uh, theologically, politically, socially, all of, all of that. Um, I don't know how we're doing here in the U.S., I really don't know, and I don't know that we're going to know uh, this year. It may take a, a couple more years before we know um, that there are a number of things that are that are changing, and 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 we don't know. And um, uh, but for the for the making of disciples of Jesus Christ and the transformation of the world, one of the things that I observed. Uh, is the the United Methodist Church in North Katanga and Tanyanyika um, are seen as and, and labels are dangerous um, are, are seen locally as the progressive church okay so uh, without making everybody mad um, even though delegates will will tend to vote on the conservative side at general conference, in their local mission setting, the church is seen as, uh, and what I mean by progress, progressive, I mean uh, leading the change, social changes that are that are that are necessary, especially. Uh, uh, Women's issues, women and women in leadership, uh, combating a uh, a race a a rape culture, uh, girls in school. Uh, there there are a number of, of social issues that the United Methodist Church is taking on, uh, as well as uh, during the war. This was the church that stayed with the people and didn't flee, didn't didn't run away uh, this is this is the church that continued to uh, to pastor in those communities and so this was the church that was trusted uh, when when reconstruction uh, started this was the church that was trusted to uh, to monitor voting hmm. uh, for for national elections this this was the church that had earned the trust of the people. And it's a church that, that's connected to, understood to be connected to education. Um, so if we're saying that if the phrase here is transformation of the world, you've experienced that in the sense that the church entered into society, not only yeah. on the personal level, you mentioned all those baptisms, for instance, yeah. in terms of you know actual spiritual transformation. It sounded like they were also transformative in society as a whole. Politically, yes. economically, socially, progressive in many areas, and and it seems to me in some areas that, that we've seen some of the uh, may or may not have been your experience, but I know in some places uh, in Africa we've seen some uh, church-related people rise up into you know, situations of some influence 
politically and so on in their in their countries. So it seems to me that's transformative, and that that's a good thing. I would hope. Oh yeah, ab absolutely. I, um, um, it's it's not paradise, but it is what it it, it is what the mission statement is asking us to do. Yeah. And uh, one of the things as an advocate for uh, those church leaders, those pastors and district superintendents, those, those lay leaders, uh, the doctors and the nurses and the school teachers, um, what I tell the church here um, is we've got people in place and we're not supporting them. Uh, and, and we're not talking about missionaries in the traditional sense of the word. We're talking I'm about talking supporting about the church. What, so, you know, one, of, one of the problems that, that we have gone from is we've, we've transitioned from, this is in the third book, but we've transitioned from supporting missionaries you know, a generation ago or two right. generations ago, supporting missionaries in the mission field, uh, and we've we've leapt over to big celebrity-driven charity <laughs> projects, okay, and and big NGO development projects. Right. What we've skipped over are all of those that leadership infrastructure that we that took a hundred years to build in this particular location uh, uh, and is strong. And, and the tragedy is twofold. One is, and in some cases this is literal, we've got pastors out there who are dying in the field, right? literally. Um, so we don't, we, we don't have good salary support for them or uh, we, we just don't have good support for them. We don't have And I, and I watch the big programs roll into town, set up their own distribution uh, networks, and fail to, to see or use uh, the distribution network that's, that's already in place. And so that's the, that, that's the angry Bob coming out when, when, okay. I'm, uh, when I'm speaking uh, on, on behalf of... Uh, of my colleagues in, in the Congo. Okay. Well, in that, in that sensitivity to that and what you're sharing there, how can, um, well, you, you've, you've formed an organization a number of years ago and your daughter's uh, key to that now a planet, uh, a friendly planet missiology. And it seems mm -hmm. to me that's part of your purpose of that organization is to do this interpretation, this listening that you're talking about. How can, um, either through your organization or how can people support in our, in our American local churches, how can they support uh, either what you're doing uh, personally or in your organization, or can, how can we be supportive of, uh, of the church in the Congo and in, and in missions? Well, one of the things that I, I, I need to correct my, my own voice sometimes, okay. uh, because I'm out in the field and 
I'm often going to be the person who who criticizes uh, how we do things. Uh, so yeah. I may occasionally uh, say something negative about Uncor even. Oh boy, you know, okay. Oh, uh, oh, who would do that? But I may occasionally say something like that. All right. So I need to be corrective here. Of the mission delivery systems around the world, we've got the best. All right. Okay. Yeah, so, got it for that. So, um, you know, I had one, I had one donor ask me one day. He said, he said, uh, uh, I hear you talking, Bob, about this isn't being done right or that it isn't being done right. Well, should we? Should I give my money someplace else? And I said, Oh no, we're, we're the best. <laughs> and I'm talking about the the, the general church. Sure, I understand. Okay? And, and, and all of its mission arms. And I'm, and I'm particularly thrilled about uh, the directions that uh, GBGM is going now. So uh, even, even in my critiques, and I'm always going to be criticizing because I'm always going to be in that region that isn't getting yeah, any be help. Being so as soon as, as soon as that area starts getting help, I'm going to be moving off to someplace else. There you go. And, and yelling uh, at the system for not helping them. So that's that's just going to be my life. Yeah. Now, Friendly Planet Missiology is 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 a small NGO that we set up. It is a five hundred one c three. It's basically um, uh, our daughter Taylor, uh, Joseph Malongo, and and myself. Um, and about 80% of what we do is invisible, which makes it very difficult to raise money for. Uh, but it's the deep listening stuff. It's the coaching. It's uh, we're trying to make other people successful. About 20% of what we do is a projects are the projects. And the projects don't look any different than anybody else's uh, out there. Uh, digging wells, building uh, churches, building uh, clinics and schools. Uh, now we do run a trucking company and a and a boat on the Congo River, which is a little different than than other people. Uh, nursing school, so but but those don't look different, uh, except that as we tell the story in the book, these are all growing out of the community's initiative, not ours. Uh, we don't we don't come in with the answers. The community builds these the these programs themselves. So. If you want to support Friendly Planet Missiology, uh, we'd be thrilled. Well, we, we need the money. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so, so just how, understand that 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 about eighty percent of what we do is not project, and and so you're not going to. Well, you'd have to be if if you want to give to project, just give to the projects. We you know we have those projects. And how but, do people get a hold of you if they want to be well, a, be more deep listening or be deeper conversation with you or or get involved? Um, sure, uh, we're um, we're friendly planet missiology. You find us uh, uh, on our on our website. Uh, we operate on Facebook. Facebook seems to be the platform that best serves us because all of our colleagues in, uh, in the Congo uh, can be in connection with us uh, on Facebook. It works even better than email. There you go. So, well, we'll certainly put links to your website, uh, 
friendlyplanetmissiology.org and your Facebook uh, page in our in our show notes. Uh, Bob, one more thing. I just always like to ask my guests on the on the podcast, what's something fun you like to do? What's something unique about you that folks uh, might want to want to know about? Something fun that you like to do. <laughs> If I if I said ride bicycle, that you know that's that, that's a busman's holiday. I, yeah. that, that isn't that isn't right. Um, uh, Terry and I, my wife Terry and I, just got back from uh, two weeks in in Algeria and and Morocco, uh, and that that was just a hoop. And that's travel. We do that all the time. Sure. But the thing that 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 maybe you wouldn't know is we have a a, a 1974. Uh, MGB, okay, a, a British sports car. Right. Uh, we restored about ten years ago now, uh, and Terry and I drive. It's just a two seater. So when you say, "Well, where do you put the kids?" Exactly, they're gone. They're gone. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, so we 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 drive all over the U.S. We've been out to the West Coast twice in it, and uh, you know, all over the That's East Coast, great. down to Florida and stuff. Love so it. we do that. Love yeah. it. That's, That's what we wonderful. do for fun. That's great. That's great. Well, Bob, it's been a pleasure having you with us on the on the podcast t- today. And obviously, you just have an incredible passion for Christ and how Christ is at work in the church. And And I've seen you at work here in Indiana, and you're based out of Plainfield, Indiana, but you really are truly a globe trucker. You're out there. And uh, that's what I love about you. And uh, I'm saying, yay, God, for the work you've done in Congo and here in Indiana. And uh Wish you well as you move forward. Our guest today on the podcast, Reverend Dr. Bob Walters, the author of the book, The Last Missionary. And you look for some upcoming titles from him soon. Many thanks to Reverend Dr. Bob Walters. What a great story he, uh, he had to tell. And I hope you picked up on one thing I really hope that you picked up on it is conversation. The conversation that he and I were able to have is the emphasis was on deep listening, deep listening to the people there that he was a pastor to, a missionary to, and involved with the bishop in the North Katanga Annual Conference in uh, in Congo, Democratic Republic of Congo, out in the field. People there, deep listening, and how that can also apply to our churches here in Indiana. If we have deep listening to what is really going on in the people's lives and in the community then we have an opportunity to speak speak uh, Christ into the lives of people and help them come into that relationship, that transformative relationship. Which is what we're about in our church, right? Making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Our purpose here at the Hoosier United Methodist Podcast is to strengthen the connection in the United Methodist Church in Indiana. And we do so by telling these good news stories. If you have some suggestions for us or some uh, some people we may want to talk to who will be great stories for our podcast, please let us know. You can contact us through our website, HoosierUnitedMethodist.com or on our Facebook page, Facebook.com slash HoosierUnitedMethodist. That's going to about do it for this uh, broadcast, for this podcast, number 31 of the Hoosier United Methodist podcast. Join us again next time. We'll have another great guest telling the stories, good news stories about the United Methodist Church in the state of Indiana. Until next time, this is Dr. Brad Miller sharing with you and encourage you to continue to follow the words of John Wesley and do all the good you can.
Thank you for listening to the Hoosier United Methodist podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. We challenge you to be an active listener by subscribing and becoming a vital member of the Hoosier United Methodist podcast community. Visit us on the web at HoosierUnitedMethodist.com and chat with other members at Facebook.com slash Hoosier United Methodist. Until next time, continue to make disciples and transform the world.